Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Tony Soto Show. My name is Tony Soto. Reporting to you live on Patreon right now. That's right. I do the show live sometimes now on the old Patreon. And it is as simple as ever to watch. All you have to do is go to our Patreon page. It's a measly $5 a month. Subscribe. And then you could see me actually talking to uh, my guests. And uh, it seems like talking more and more to my guests alone. Maybe she's just a solo artist now. Jury is still out on what is happening with the transition of the Tony Sutter show. But I will tell you, I was thinking about this the other day, and it was just validated uh, by an anonymous email. Thank you so much. If you ever want to reach me anonymously, all you have to do is go to the TonySutterShow.com, which is the website. You can leave me questions, weird questions. You guys do. Uh, but they were like, I really, uh, you're really good at talking to yourself. And I took that as a great and amazing compliment. Um, <clears throat> I would like to apologize just to start off by my strained voice. Um, uh, I tried to properly warm up my instrument today before I started, but uh, it is, you know, the first Monday of every month. I do host the very popular show, Learn the Words, Bitch, here in sunny Los Angeles uh, at Akbar. And uh, we did the show on Monday of this week, and it was a hoot, like so much fun, um, as it always is. I'm so grateful for everyone who comes out to Learn the Words, Bitch, every month. Um, now that we're back in the bars, and it's stronger than ever, and I'm just so thrilled. So thank you so much. But there is big news, and I'm not sure if I've said it, on this show yet because I do smoke a lot of marijuana when recording <clears throat> but um uh learn the words bitch is actually going to start traveling we're uh and we our first city is official we are going to be in San Francisco on April 20th that's 420 at the Oasis bar in SF so if you are around on April 20th in San Francisco and you would like to come out and see what Learn the Words Bitch is, which, you know, we all know it's the lip syncing competition that I host that anyone and everybody can do because why should drag queens have all the fun? Um, come see how it is. Come see how fun the show actually is, San Francisco. I know I have some listeners there. I get feedback. Uh, all right. What's going on? What's going on in the world today? Well... Uh, the Ukraine is still at war. You know, we should be more like Ukraine. This, these, these resilient people. Um, and uh, President Zelensky just constantly staying on the. I, and I said this repeatedly. You wouldn't get this from an American president. You wouldn't get this from like, like. Could you imagine like Biden still just like chilling out and then there's like war all around him? I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine that. I would imagine that he would go for higher waters or, or higher ground, but uh, or lower ground, underground. I don't know how war works. I'm a pacifist. Um, but, uh, you know, there's it's interesting because, um, you know, people have war fatigue already and our country's not even involved in it yet. And I think about this. I think about um 
as an LGBTQ person, I think about this because I was talking to a friend and they were telling me about uh, there's this like group of LGBTQ soldiers in the Ukraine that are fighting against Russia right now. Because if we think about it, and if you know what happens in Russia right now, it's pretty much a failed country whose only real source of making money is selling the entire world uh, oil. Not a bad racket, but also not a stable one. And uh, so a lot of things happen that are fucked up in that country. And uh, uh, Putin, being the dictator that he is, likes to uh, pass blame onto um, uh, marginalized groups of folks. And the LGBTQ folks in um, Russia have had it really, really bad. There's a lot of documentary or document document oh my god why can i say that this word uh you know the movies uh documentaries thank you so much uh um about the struggle of queer folks in russia and it's very big news if uh russia takes over a sovereign nation for queer folks because we're in trouble and um i i i don't under i don't know that American gays really understand that what happens over there uh, really does either help move our folks forward or really set us back. All the while this is happening, and no one's thinking about LGBTQ folks really right now in the Ukraine right now uh, because of just the fact that there is total war. But we're over here fatigued about a war that we're not fighting yet, all the while in the Florida Senate, that don't say gay bill certainly did pass. Yeah, certainly did pass, certainly did pass. Even, uh, it passed even after uh, a black gay senator, the first black gay senator ever elected to Florida got up, had an emotional plea, and even after an emotional plea, which shows that they do not respect us, do not respect us as people, do not care about our stories, and do, do not want to hear us speak, um, it passed. And it's on its way to DeSantis' desk. And that piece of shit is going to sign. He's going to sign it. And here's, here's the issue. And here's another thing. I'm, talk, I'm going to talk more to the Gs right now, the gays, because, you know, those are, those are the... Um, I'm talking to you guys. Uh, we watched this kind of shit happen with the abortion thing that Texas was doing. And now uh, that Texas got away with that, there's a lot more legislation out there in tons of different states right now that are pushing for the same thing. Now, the don't, gay say, don't say gay bill passed, which means that they cannot speak, they cannot talk about uh, gay people doing anything because somehow even talking about a gay person makes people think about two guys sucking dicks. You know what I mean? That's the first thing that we think about. Oh, what do you think about when you think about gays? You think about the way that we have sex. That's the only way, and, and that's not our perversion, that's yours. That's not ours, that's yours. So until you own that, shit is off. But this passed, and so we're going to see things like this throughout the entire country now, in all these states that hate us anyway, all the flyovers. So there's trouble brewing. And the thing is, and the thing, the reason why this is going through so easily, 
And why I don't think there's enough fight is because it's centered around education. It's centered around kids and it's about kids' safety because, you know, we're, we're um, there are people in power who are referring to the people against, don't say gay, as groomers, as pedophiles. Like that's still the narrative that is happening uh, for queer people. And I don't know how far off we are from the kind of abuse that happens to LGBTQ people in Russia. I don't know how far off we are from that. You know, I think that it's really easy for us to get complacent and comfortable and uh, not care about what's happening in our government because, oh, it's all crooked and everyone's fucking, uh, everyone's fucking, uh, crooked and they're all you know immoral and blah so let's not think about it and then all the while our democracy is going away from us and this is true shit like this is like not me as a bleeding heart blue liberal saying this this is happening before our eyes they're taking voting away from people they're uh, our, our supreme court is stacked like this shit is off. And the thing is, is we have Biden who, you know, look, Biden, look, I voted for him. I think that he's uh, doing well in things, but I also think he's a goddamn liar. I think that he's also very okay with going back on a promise and not doing shit to, uh, to better the country in a lot of, lot of ways, you know, student loans, uh, you know, but I digress. Like, what do I know? Like, what, what, what do I know? All I know is that there is rough waters ahead. I mean, I, I think that like, I'm glad I don't drive. That's that. I'm so glad I don't drive. And if I do drive, I'm going to get electric. I mean, this is a mess. This is a mess. Like people uh, are, but, but also listen, flyovers, relax a little bit. I mean, gas in LA, has been fucking expensive for years. All right. So like you're 340 or almost four dollars right now, snooze. Now do I understand you're all poor. Uh because we all are poor. Uh I am poor. I mean, I'm walking in LA. You think that's glamour? That's not glamour. It's not glamour to walk in LA, even though it is a totally walkable city. Everyone's just lazy here. Oh shit. Speaking of lazy, uh McDonald's announced that they are temporarily shutting down their restaurants in Russia, which I think is a big deal because, I mean, withdrawal from those preservatives in that food is rough. Trust me, I went through a McDonald's phase. I, I remember coming off of fucking Big Macs. That shit hurts a little bit. I also remember coming off of drugs and I remember that withdrawal and that was a little rough too. Oh my God, speaking of drugs, can I just say that I think I'm getting a little addicted to espresso beans covered in chocolate? Like to the point where, okay, because I have one cup of coffee a day, but I bought a thing of those, like a thing of those uh, espresso chocolates and uh, it they last a minute, but I have more than I should in a day, like, because it gets a little hard to go to sleep at night now, um, that if I don't have a couple, I kind of get a headache. What the fuck? That happened quick. Damn, addiction is quick. They're just so delicious, you know, but it was, 
after I learned the words, bitch, I got home and I was so tired, uh, but I wanted something sweet. So I was just like sucking the chocolate off the espresso beans, not crushing the espresso beans and chewing them. So I think that that also kept me up a little bit. Who knows? Um, oh, real quick, before we go to break, um, Disney's in hot water. And I have, uh, now I went to Disney for the first time ever here in SoCal uh, for my birthday. And I had a good time. And I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it publicly. I'm going to say it to the world. I'm not giving back my lightsaber. All right. I'm not. After I just got on the soapbox about LGBTQ stuff, uh, Disney is not water because they have apparently been supporting people in Florida who have been supporting the Don't Say Gay bill. And uh, Disney gays have been very, very quiet about uh, since this has happened. No one has said a word. Now, I went to Disney for the first time, and I'll tell you, I had a good time. The park was a little too clean for my taste. I'm a Six Flags generation. I'm trashy, trashy. So the fact that, like, uh, you don't see any garbage on the floor and you don't see anyone cleaning up that garbage, it's bizarre. Um, but I had a great time. However, I did. I was a consumer that day. I supported China that day a lot. I did. I bought a lot of stuff there. Because uh, I'm a Star Wars fan. I enjoy it, all right? That is my little thing. Um but that said, I'm not a Disney gay. I'm very aware that Disney was founded by an anti-Semite. I'm very aware that the mascot that that anti-Semite created was a minstrel. I'm very aware of this. I'm very aware. So um, I just think so. So I, I think that I think that it's right. The people who are like, hey, Disney gays, speak out a little bit. Now, I do watch a lot of Disney and uh, um I love an ABC soap opera. So uh, I'm still a part of the problem, okay? But I don't eat Chick-fil-A, so fuck off. You know what I mean? We all make our sacrifices. Uh, guys, I'm so excited about today because um, our guest is incredible. And uh, speaking of soap operas, uh, is a soap opera legend uh, nominated for awards and I think robbed because uh, there should be a winner behind that because she's so fucking fabulous. We're going to be speaking with the amazing Eileen Christie. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do a deep dive with Miss Eileen. We'll be back. Tony Soto Show. All right, we are back with the show. And like I said, guys, I am so excited about our guest today. Uh, I fell in love with her uh, when she started on One Life to Live in the 2000s. She was on that show for 10 fabulous years, but she originated. Her career is like all about starting shit. She originated the role of Delia Ryan on Ryan's Hope and originated the role of Patty Simcox uh, at Greece Broadway, Broadway babies. We have Eileen Kristen. Hello. Hi. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary of Greece. It's a little scary. <laughs> I mean, can I like so first of all, who does your Wikipedia? Because it it's it is someone who is thorough as hell. Well, they did it with me because someone had done my Wikipedia and made up shit. Yes, because it's so uh, easy to do. Yeah, it's really so easy. It is, it is. So uh, my dear friend, Carlos Valladares, who is a big movie critic, a film critic, but he's a really good writer and um, I just didn't have the patience to do it. And there was information 
that I kind of thought was interesting that I wanted out there, you know. So you were really going to be on SNL? Mm-hmm. Well, it was between me and Pamela Stevenson, the British uh, comedian, and it came ex- this close. It so you're an improviser heart. too? You're an improviser as well? I'm not so much an improviser. I, I grew up doing a lot of sketch comedy. Okay. Um, I During high school, I traveled the country uh, in, a, in a comedy review. But then I did a comedy review in 1983 called Strange Behavior. And uh, it was through that that uh, the SNL people found me. And then I d- also did Mayor, which was a series of sketches. Also, I played uh, Leona Helmsley. Yes, yes, notorious. Yes, she was very notorious. I, I, <laughs> we were talking about before we started recording, I just love the character choices that you uh, have, have played throughout the years because you're not afraid to be gritty. Um, now, you're a bona fide New Yorker. Through and through. I sure am. Um, born so, in Brooklyn. Born in Brooklyn. Now, and so in a city of entertainment, was it always going to be entertainment for you? Pretty much so. <laughs> I I really kind of, you know, from the time I was like four years old, I was watching Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, and I remember my mother told me, I think I was like five years old, that Fred and Ginger were going to be on at two o'clock, but. <laughs> And she found out it was two o'clock in the morning and I cried the whole day. I think she might've woken me up so that I could watch it at two. It was like on the late show or the late, late show. Um, so your parents were very supportive of the idea? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I kind of consider uh, that I was born into a show business family, even though technically they weren't in show business, but they had a lot of show business friends. And my father was a hairdresser. Yeah, like so, hair um, salons everywhere, right? Like multiple well, salons. Well, he had multiple. He had a salon in Brooklyn. Then he had a salon in uh, in Long Island very briefly. And he had a salon on, on 64th Street and 2nd Avenue. And at one time, I think he had all three of them. So we lived in Forest Hills. We moved to Forest Hills because it was like in the middle of all of them somehow uh but having a father in show business is uh, in in hairdressing is like being in show business absolutely like celebrities get their hair done you know what i mean it goes it goes uh tit for tat um so but so growing up and being in a supportive environment where like you were surrounded by entertainment like who were your inspirations at those times well uh my parents took me to see the show the fantastics on the first week that it opened and they had gone to see it like twice before that because the rumor mill was that it wasn't going to make it. It was too odd a show. So they bought me the album um, because they did the album because they thought the show wasn't gonna run. They bought me the album and I learned the album in like a 24 hour period and they took me to see it and it completely, well, I knew right then and there I was going to be in show business. I knew it. I heard the voice. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I heard it. I mean, some people say it's like you know, uh, like if Anand gets the call or whatever. It's it's like no, I had the calling. That's a Julia yeah, got the I call. I had the calling, and my mother uh, knew 
Kenneth Nelson, a wonderful actor who passed away from um, AIDS. Uh, he was in um, the original company of Fantastics and also he was in the original company of Boys in the Band and in the movie. And oh, okay. Brilliant actor. So she knew him and she took me backstage. And the next thing I knew after the show was over, I was backstage with uh, all the actors and they were in their underwear. And I thought that was rather exciting as well. It was, it was did really- you, well, Did you do like theater in high school or stuff like that? Like, did you do any kind of like- uh... I started working professionally at 14. Oh, hell. So you're like, yeah. skip it. Just straight to the I, business. I, yeah, I skipped Cash that and thing. checks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did act at sleepaway camp uh, except that uh, my sleepaway camp did not give me the lead role in guys, Adelaide in Guys and Dolls, which I really don't understand. Rob. Because they really should have. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, but they gave me, I was the lead dancer in the, in the Cuban section. There was a whole Cuban dance number. So, um, you know, that was my role. <laughs> So screw them. I went right into the professional realm. <laughs> you know, no free jobs. That's anymore. right. Excuse me. I work for money. Um, yeah. Now, it's funny because uh, we have we have actually met when you were in L.A. because uh, I, my so good great. Judy, Paul Brickman, who actually was like my personal photographer for years, I found out uh was your nephew and yes. uh I, he's he's like he was talking and he's like oh yeah my aunt eileen you know kristen in new york and i was like that's why does that sound familiar to me and and uh he, he hands me a phone so i could see your google search and i was like wait a minute your aunt is roxy <laughs> <laughs> What, what is that? So then I immediately text my mother and then I text my best friend and I was like, uh, I know someone who's like really close to like one degree from Roxy. I, and I was like, I'm in. But after that, after you agreed to do this interview, I was so excited. So I was like uh, doing as much research as I could and now did not know that you were A, a triple threat, but B, that you started in dance. Absolutely. Was, is dancing yeah. still your favorite? Well. It is my favorite, but I was, I had limited ability. I mean, I was good for a teenager and I worked with Michael Bennett, you know, who later did Chorus Line, but yeah. I worked with Michael Bennett uh, from the time I was 15 until I was 18 years old. And uh, so it is my first love, but I knew that I was not past the age of 18. I knew that I wasn't good enough to to do that as a profession and you're limited with age I think regardless when dancing because it's so hard on your body well, you right are. like yeah you are but had I been spectacular I definitely could have gone into my mid or late 20s I would have done chorus line had I been great because I was already in with that crowd yeah so had I really been great I I could have been in that realm but it it turned out better actually because um i did grease and my dance ability was definitely a, a plus for doing patty simcox 
Oh, for sure. Cause she, yeah. like Patty is the, well, so, so you said that you were like in with that crowd, which is like what, like all the Broadway actors and whatnot, like you all like with hung Greece. out, went to, oh, with, with, well, with Greece. I mean, even when I was a kid and doing a Broadway show, uh, well, you know, I was 15 years old, so it's like hard to hang out. <laughs> I had to go to school. I just assume people were still like raging then. I just thought like people were like, you know, if if you were in, that means like, you know, yeah, we would go and we would yeah, you know, but, smoke you know, the cigarettes. Star, and, the uh, star of that show was Don Amici and he didn't have anything to do with us little kids. Well, let's talk about Greece. Because wait, how many years did you say you just celebrated? Uh, 50. 50 years you just celebrated. We rich- opened February 14th, 1972 originated the role first time ever on broadway tell me what that is like no how- that was my second time on broadway okay no no the, no the first the, the the opening of the show for greece was like it was like the first time greece has ever been seen on broadway yes. is, is what first i meant time. um yeah. yeah what is that like uh, as an actor it was very exciting very scary uh we we knew that there was a lot of energy uh, that this show had and, and that it was ripe to be a hit, but a lot of people didn't care for it. And, um, uh, but most of the people did, but the critics initially, the critics were not that kind to the show. Really? The first, yeah, the first reviews that came out, uh, there was a reviewer, Stuart Klein, and he had a, uh, he was on Channel Five, I believe, um, before it was Fox TV, and he was just merciless. He hated us, you know. But the reviews got better, and it didn't matter at a certain point. It really didn't matter. The show had a life of its own. It when did really, they make it into the? When did they make it into the movie? They what, made it into the movie, I believe, in seventy-eight or seventy. Did you? Did you? Was there any chance that you could have been over well, into the movie? Well, it's it's there could have been. Um, by then, I had started doing Ryan's Hope, and I knew that the part that they would consider me for was Patty, and I, I didn't want to play Patty in the movie. Right. Uh, I after playing Delia, I. I kind of thought my my choices would be more interesting to not do that. Yeah, I want to be saying I, I ran into John Travolta who had um who was shooting Saturday Night Fever on my block. And so I spoke with him and he said that they were cutting the part down a little bit. And um and I kind of said and it was I'm more not, than a little bit. Like she's, I mean, it's not that well, she's a she's blip. There. Yeah, it's not that she's a blip, but yeah. yeah. And my, and if I had done it, it might've turned out a little bit more because Pat Birch, uh, who was the choreographer of the Broadway show was doing the movie. So there might've been more, but I I felt my trajectory was going somewhere else. Got it. Yes, no, I understand. Uh, fun fact about John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, uh, that is why I am named Tony. Like, that is why my really? name is literally just Tony. Everyone's like, is it Antonio or Anthony? I'm like, 
nope i'm named after john travolta's character in saturday night fever oh that's uh because there's a good chance my dad's a closeted homosexual uh the world knows don't worry i'm not quiet about it um (laughs) uh so you originated uh uh delia ryan for ryan's hope and that started in 77 is that no that started in 1975 75 75 and so now this is big because delia as far as i know is still in existence i mean she was just on gh as like 2015 or something like that uh from 2014 to 16 i was on oh so see so 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 recent like Delia is still, I didn't know that you were the mother of Ava and Ava's been just a mess. I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's very odd. They they really had very many opportunities to do really great things. And for some reason, they really didn't want me on that show longer than they had me there. I don't know why, because I think it really would have been fantastic. I, I mean, like, I, I would love to see you. I mean, you and the woman who plays Ava just act along each other because I know. Well, we did a little bit, but not enough. Yeah, because her character is one of she's the. She's wonderful. Uh, she's like, I don't. I'm not a GH girl. Like, that's not my story. The way it not went. Not even. Not mine either. Yeah, the way you it know, went. Go ahead. I don't think they, the humor that I have, and the things that I do mm-hmm. and do well. I'm not sure that they want that there. They seem a little staunch, a little like they uh, are a little very... stiff, a little stiff. That's that's my opinion, um, because like I my the way it went uh, when I would skip school was um, uh, Young and the Restless, and then we would switch over to ABC and we'd watch All My Children and One Life to Live. So that's the way it worked, and those those were my things. But the iconery of Ryan's Hope it was the, the soaps in the seventies. chef's kisses so many people so many people were watching because there were basically three networks right and um i went from nobody really knowing who i was within two weeks i got stopped everywhere yeah what's it like starting a show because there was there was mad competition with soaps though at that time wasn't there i mean was that was dark shadows going on at that time still you know, yeah like- well dark shadows might have been ending and it was on the same network i actually think it had just it had ended because most of the crew from uh-huh. dark shadows came over to ryan's hope anyone who doesn't know what dark shadows we- is is a, it's a it's a gothic vampire soap opera that was happening in the 60s and 70s we took over their studio so they were they had ended and we took over and most of their staff came to ryan's home got it now delia was an iconic character literally her uh life is what drove the existence of ryan's hope that's a lot of weight on one's shoulders uh. <laughs> it was pretty heavy so like you know and, and fan bases happen quickly like did you Very go quick. through people loving you and hating you when you would see that? Because she also, I mean, you, you slept with brothers. Like you, you couldn't have been people's favorites a lot of the time. Well, uh, they, you know, they, they felt sorry for, they get angry at Delia, but then they feel sorry for her because Delia 
Delia's mother used to sell tokens in the subway. Her father was a drunk and he was long dead. And she grew up next door to the Ryans and she idolized them. She really idolized them. And um, she loved both brothers. And actually she really loved Patty more than she loved Frank, but. I mean, Patty. but there was like love there. I mean, like it, it gave me Susan Lucci vibes from like all my children with Jack and fucking, this is later on obviously, but like I, I was I was saying that I wasn't familiar with Ryan's Hope, but I, it's on YouTube, y'all. And I suggest you go and you, because I mean, the so many soap actors from that generation became amazing actors uh, in movies and, and shit like that. So you just see like brilliant work and like, like it's just, it's amazing to watch. That You don't see that kind of acting. It's in not more. an easy schedule. It's not easy. It's not a, an easy um, job at all. It's yeah. very, very difficult. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to go into that because we're going to talk about how difficult it is. And then we're going to get into all the shit that I want to talk about, uh, which is one life to live. Let's be real. So uh, we'll be right back. Tony Soto Show. All right. We are back with the show. And now, listeners, if you know Tony Soto, you know that I love soap operas. Um, I uh, regularly skip school if there were good story <laughs> arcs happening. Um, I did not care. It was and and it was I was never sick. It was because ABC was hot. Um, and uh, but I was I think that the thing that I loved Eileen so much about soap operas is um, growing up in a mixed race household, I knew the importance of steady work and I knew I always wanted to perform. Um, and I knew even at a young age, oh, these people work all the time. Like, I, I didn't think I was thinking how grueling that was, but, uh, but I just knew that you worked steadily if you, if you got a good gig. Well, if you get a good gig, it takes a lot to get a good gig. And once you get it, sometimes you go, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah. How long did it, did you take you to uh, get Delia? Like how many people were you up against? Because that's huge. Well, it was very interesting. The casting person on that was a brilliant casting person named Shirley Rich. And she had cast a lot of movies. And she, I don't know if she had ever done a soap before, but uh, she kept it very narrow. I think when I went in for the first auditions, maybe there were 20 young girls, but by the time we got to um, being put on tape, I think there were only five. And I think I was definitely her favorite and she wasn't scared to say to them, it should be Eileen. I love that. Because she had guts. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these casting people, they, um, you have to jump through hoops for them. And uh, if you do one bad audition, they kind of separate themselves from you. Sure. Rather than saying to the, um, to the producers, even though this audition is not great, she's your gal. Yeah. So Shirley was great. And, um, and I really didn't, know if I wanted to do it I had said to my agent because I was used to doing comedy mm -hmm. so I really didn't 
I was not a soap opera watcher. I was a Lucille Ball watcher. All right. Yeah. I would skip school for I Love Lucy. <laughs> I Love Lucy and the Gale Storm show. Uh, my Little Margie. Okay, Gail. So listen, this is going to make my, my listeners are going to be Googling shit. My, my listeners are good. Make my listeners Google, Eileen. I wanted to Google. I love things. Lucy and my little Margie. And every once in a while, it was like, I think I'm staying home to watch <laughs> them. Um, also, now, I used to watch Candid Camera. Uh, I love Candid Camera. I love that. Now, that now, was in the evening. I think that also, though, you're really fortunate with having. Um, Ryan's Hope because there's like a full record of it. Like I think about One Life to Live uh, that went for 40 years, like when it was black and white TV, where they would just tape over uh, old episode or episodes that they already created because it was like mass production of soap operas. So there's not really a full record of like the whole library. I, I don't know if there is. You're probably right about that. Uh, but um there there's a couple of ryan's hope pieces that might be missing because something happened in the warehouse but most of the shows are on youtube on youtube um, and, and they had and soapnet was actually a beautiful channel i don't know if soapnet's even still around or if it even does no brian opera. franz who ran ab was the vice president of abc daytime he managed to fuck that up as well as fuck up daytime and i and I don't, I use that word and I mean, fuck and I up. love it. And and they did. And I'm telling you the cancellations of all my children and one night to live was uh, two of the biggest mistakes that was ever done. Very big, very I mean, big and very I, bad mistake. Like, like the hottest storylines that were happening on those shows, especially during your time in the, or, uh, in the two thousands was iconic. Like I, I, uh, I, I mean, okay. Anyway, I digress. So um, you left and came back. Uh, on Ryan's Hope a few times. Yeah. And, and then again yeah. on GH, where we mentioned on GH, what is it like being recurring, especially being recurring from a show that you created, basically, or your character helped create? Well, I was never recurring on, um, on Ryan's Hope. What happened was um, I, I started off recurring on One Life to Live I had done One Life to Live actually in the 80s, very uh -huh. briefly, playing another- You did, show. yeah, brief, which I think is very like, you know, it's funny because I'm an SVU fan and I, you see early episodes where someone comes on as a killer and then all of a sudden they're a detective. You're like, yeah. I'm not blind. <laughs> um, but I, so I did that show. Um, oh, wait, I so you one. didn't take breaks on Ryan's Hope. You were, you, it was No, I did through. take breaks on Ryan's Hope. I, I actually quit uh, in 70 eight or 79, I, I want, you know, I wanted to do comedy and I wanted to go out to LA and I figured if I didn't go out to LA before I turned 30, um, you know, I had, it was a rite of passage and it, it didn't work out at all. The like way sitcoms? Did you want to do it? Did you, would you, did you want to be a sitcom? That's all I wanted to do. So I, is it, do you still do you still want to do sitcoms? I would yes, love to. I, I would love do. to see you on a sitcom. I think that's that it all would. I want to do. I, I mean, mean I bet it's a better schedule too than soap opera schedule. Well, so you know, sitcoms are different now. You know, uh, but and I don't even know if there are. I, yes, let me just put it that way. Yes, <laughs> and that's why, and it's the only thing I haven't done. Really, I don't know how that really? happens. 
I don't know how that happens when you set your mind on something and you set your mind and everything else happens but so you've not you've not guessed it on uh on a on a sitcom it's only been drama yeah. <laughs> wild that's wild to me um i always give it a comedic spin yeah <laughs> well see and, and and that's the thing like um uh, with with roxy balsam and like you see the comedy and what oh, you yeah. do. No, no, and that was very intentional. Uh, I said, if I'm not going to get a sitcom, this is going to be my sitcom. And, and work, Queen. And you had you had me laughing. Once I got to like you, it took me a minute, though, because you were really, really mean to Natalie. Um, now, <laughs> One Life to Live was on for over 40 years. Um, and... Uh, I mean, the I, I've been watching it since uh, since Tina killed Cord's mom by spilling poison on her. So that was like the eighties. <laughs> um, like so, that was when I like those are like my earliest memories of that show. So I've been following it for a long, long time. And uh, you did ten years as Roxy Balsam. Mm -hmm. um, what were those years like? Fantastic. First of all, I got the job the day before 9-11. And I actually was going to visit somebody at um, not Rikers prison, but uh, they had been released from Rikers and they were at a um, moderate security place in Queens. And I was online and this was someone who was very close to me, someone who I consider to be like a son. And um, I had gone to see him the week before and he says, mom, you know, you got to get a job. And uh, so when I was online waiting to see him uh, and it was September, um, September 10th and it was very rainy and uh, it was kind of cold outside. And I remember my agent calling and he said, well, the name of the character is Roxanne. And I went, Roxy. <laughs> Roxy. yeah that's his baby yeah and um, uh and so i went in and i told um antoine my son i said mom is going back to work she's going to be playing roxy on one life to live so it was and then the next day the world blew up yeah and you know, they had wanted to negotiate with me. And I said to my agent, we're not negotiating with them for another week. So I didn't start for another three weeks. And, um, but by the time I started, I felt like I was really on a mission to entertain people because it, the world was now a kind of sad. Yeah. Place. I, oh God. Yeah. I, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even think about that. Like as a performer, you were like, this is the time. But I had where... a mission. I, yeah. had a, I really was on a mission to entertain, yeah. which is really all I've ever, I, you know, I've always thought of myself as an entertainer. I, it's not that I don't like the word actor. I do, but, uh -huh. but entertainer means you entertain people. And you and do that it all. Was kind of, yeah. oh, you know, always what I wanted to do when I was a kid, which is what I always did. I entertained my parents. I entertained my sister. Have you ever I done stand up? Have you ever done stand up? Well, I do stand up in between my music acts. Okay. All right. Okay. Especially if I have a vodka. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's just rip, rip, rip. Now, yeah. this, now I, I don't know if you are really fully aware of the importance of Roxy Balsam's character because <laughs> she brought to like during that, like now I'm going to tell you, me and my best friend, Luke, we were living in Chicago and we would videotape our stories and then we would watch them uh through the week so we could binge them a little bit and when you came on the scene you brought together a lot of different story arcs and made a lot of things possible now as a viewer and as a soap opera fan to me like you're iconic because we wouldn't have had those storylines otherwise like does that like yes well, they, I think they really, uh, they did their homework on this. Um, I had gotten this part basically because Lorraine Broderick uh, had been a writer on Another World and I was on Another World for about four months or so and she wanted me on as a, a regular character. It didn't happen. But years later when she was head writer of One Life to Live. So I think they thought long and hard about this particular character, mm -hmm. even though they had told my agent she was only scheduled to be there for, you know, a couple of months or something. I mean, I knew, I knew I'd be there for a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were at the center of multiple, multiple personality uh, storylines. So <laughs> you had to deal with Vicky and her altars. You had to deal with Jess and her altars. So you were sort of, I mean, like Roxy wasn't going anywhere. Oh my God, you gave us that really sexy actor that played your son. <sighs> like, JP. That helped, that helped the girl out uh, at her youth. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was like, hello. Uh, but like, Let's talk about the ending because uh, you were were you still on to the end or did you leave before the end? No, I was on until the end. You were on until the in end. In fact, I was. Wait, no. Oh, my God. The there was huge thing. Yes, of course. Oh, there were so the many soap opera that 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 Roxy was trying to save her. Everybody's favorite soap from going off the air. I <laughs> They did go campy at the end. They did go. They 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 went. They what are you went, gonna do? I when mean, what are you gonna do when you're yeah. being canceled? You know, I, I, and what was that like to hear that the show? Because there was it was back and forth for a long time. I think Eileen. I think like in the soap uh, mags, there was like talk about it for a while. But like, yeah, what but was we it didn't, like? We didn't believe that. Yeah, we you know, uh, I'm telling you, it it was all Brian Franz's fault. So you know, you should call him up. He's still alive. I'd love to talk to him. <laughs> I'd love to talk. Listen, I want to talk to every soap contact you have. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what he's, you know, what, uh, I don't know what he's doing, but he managed to bring down, he managed to bring down ABC and he managed to bring down SoapNet. Now that's uh, what not easy to do. I mean, two huge things. And, and like, so, and I just think about like, especially like you think about like uh, you originated the the role of Delia. So I think about like the lady who played Vicky, who, um, who started with that show, I believe, wasn't she? And I think about like Susan Lucci, who yeah. started with All My Children. And it's like, 
that's a, that's a lot of work to suddenly just be out from underneath you. Now, was there, I, I know there was like that, that really ill-fated attempt online. Right, to, which I was not part of that. I think no. they would have had me on. And be grateful because it wasn't good, Queen. I'm telling you. I, I, I it was, it was, no one cared about those kids. No one wanted, no one, no one wanted none of those kids to grow up yet. We weren't ready for those kids to be adults or to care about their issues. We were, there was a lot of drama that was happening with the grownups at the end. You know, it's funny because kids sometimes really don't like watching kids. They want to see where they're going in life. Yeah, I want to see not where they snooch. are. You know, I want to see them snooch and lay side by side. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to see like outlandish storylines of like Jess and Tess and Vicky and Nikki. Like that shit drove me wild. Like now I was, I was saying like, is there any, is there anything happening? Cause like in my head, I was saying before we started recording that I see a movie, a crossover movie with all my children and one life to live somehow, somehow bringing, is there, do you hear any talk about anything? Well, I know that I, Kelly I Ripa was Kelly thinking Ripa, weren't yeah. they going to do something? I, I, I did. She, she had mentioned on her show that she was doing something, but again, I think it's about the damn kids. And I think that like, you can't, like, you can't leave us hanging. Like, it's so weird because the cliffhangers were so major that it felt like everything was coming back. And then when it didn't, it's like, yeah, no, it's very sad. Um, you know, it's, I doubt it's going to be back. Um, but I, who knows? And if it comes back, whether they'll ask me to do it when they didn't ask me to do the reboot on, you know, the digital, the reboot, park thing, I was, park I was something quite, or another. Yeah. Well, uh, Prospect Park. Prospect Park, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they were Brooklyn boys, like, you know, like me. Um, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Quite honestly. And my my boyfriend was one of the directors on it, and he said it was crazy. Uh, my boyfriend, Gary Donatelli, who had- Oh, he, he directed some shows, correct? Yes, he directed a lot of the One Life to Live, the regular One Life Is to Live. Is that how you then, guys met, was, was to that no, show? No, we knew each other from- uh, way back, way back when he was a camera person on uh, Ryan's Hope, but we never started seeing each other until because I think 20. if you work so many hours, it's like people who work in offices. There's always inner office relationships because you're always around them. Right? Well, I, I really tried to never have a relationship with anybody I was working with. So uh -huh. Gary and I were not involved till the shows were over. Got it. Got it. Well, see, it, happenstance, it, nice, happy really, happenstance. Yeah. yeah. It, it really was happenstance now you know, the way it worked out you've done a lot in your career so like are there any really wild memories that stand out from either being on set or being on stage <laughs> they're all wild uh, <laughs> i don't know i've had a really good time you've, had a, a you've had a real oh and theater is like you know that's when, when you're comfortable changing in the same room with folks anything can happen in the theater <laughs> yeah i will never forget that. i mean um, I, she shall be remain remain nameless, but I was doing a show uh, right before Clinton was not was uh, elected, and uh, there was a fairly famous uh, soap opera actress that I was working with, who, um, when she said she was a Republican, about ten people in the dressing room just went like this, went like, what? <laughs> Her life was so miserable. 
I mean, I mean, listen, it's it's so funny. It was I, like I, saying that you were for Trump, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody who said they were for Trump for for Trump at, at, over, you know, at most of the places that I've worked at would get that. <laughs> not not pretty. So you uh, you mentioned that uh, you do some singing gigs. You're out yes. there, and you have some stage shows happening. What other projects are you working on these days? Like, and when can we well, get you on a sitcom? There's two. There's oh, my well, my life is a sitcom basically. But um, uh, I'm going to be doing a reading of one of these play uh, plays that I'm interested in in June. Eighth, but also at Feinstein's in New York, which is a beautiful cabaret room, um, a lot of the Grease members are going to be doing a show with Mary Lou Henner. Oh, I love that. Mary Lou Henner's got her cabaret act scheduled, but we're going to be appearing with her. And there's um, the book uh, that we all wrote for Grease called Grease, Tell Me More, Tell Me More, is, um, is on pre-sale now at Amazon. And it's a tell-all about the original eight years, the first eight years of Greece when it was the original producers. That's amazing. That's very exciting. It's I mean, really I very mean, exciting. The, 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 the length of your career and how, how much it has like, uh, like spanned out is, I, I, it's just brilliant. And I'm going to tell you like, your work on soap operas is important because Thank you, you Thank were you. on soaps all the times it was good because because yeah. you know questionable about the black and white eras i know revolution blah 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 but you know there were some issues yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully there's a show that i did a pilot for called melange m-e-l-a-n-g-e produced by tom dangora and also uh gary donatelli is one of the producers i'm actually one of the producers but um there's some great people on that um and it takes place in a gay bar and um work you came I, to a gay bar we you came to one of my shows at a gay bar here in la oh absolutely yes <laughs> and, and, you, and you i felt, loved it you are brilliant oh thank you so much oh, yeah you're brilliant really I, I, fantastic. I, can't, I, I can't remember which show that was but uh and honestly i gotta get to new york paul uh we've been talking i need to get there so we can like you know i can be on your turf and oh, see what's well, happening it's a there. great turf to be on well you know, it really is Eileen, did you have a good time on the Tony I had a Soto great time. Today? I think, you know, you do this very well also. You're well, very talented. You. Oh, well, thank you so much. And that means so much coming from you. Uh, do you want to tell my listeners where they can uh, find you on social media? Well, let me just say they should get my my CD or my, my album. It's just digital on iTunes. And it's called I'm Not Done With You Yet. Yeah. Get and it's that. the you is a you. I'm not done with you yet. Yes. And yep. uh, it's quite good. Uh, I wrote everything uh, with uh, various ex-boyfriends. And, um, <laughs> and, and get all it. the songs are true. I love that. Support. Fabulous. And, and uh, social media, uh, Eileen Kristen on um, Instagram, Eileen Kristen uh, on Facebook and um Eileen Kristen. That's right. Google her. Google Listen, she's, she's at the top. All right. There's no other. There is no other legendary. 
Um, uh, everybody, if you like the Tony Soto show, then please go and find my iTunes page and subscribe to the show. Rate it, leave a comment. It helps. Also, I do the Gay Power Half Hour anywhere podcasts are streamed with my good Judy Casey Live. Find that and tune in weekly. I am the Tony Soto Show on everything, which is Instagram, Twitter, and Venmo. Wink, wink. And uh, I'll be back again next week. And uh, <laughs> you got you to gotta let him know. You got to let him know. It's like, just throw me some shells. Uh, and uh, we'll be back again next week with, of course, more fabulous podcasting. Bye-bye.